大家晚上好，这里是正在为您直播。Welcome to Merrick's Experts, the podcast that provides analysis of current affairs in China. Hello, I'm Ruth Kirchner. Thanks for tuning in. The development of digital technologies—that's something we have covered a lot in this podcast series. Digital payment systems in China, for instance, where parents increasingly pay their children's pocket money via their smartphones, or China's social credit system, which also relies heavily on digital technology. And more recently, we've talked about China's progress in artificial intelligence. But where does China stand overall in digital technologies and development? What are the leaderships? Ambitions and what does all this mean for Europe? Merrick's researcher Mareike Ulberg and Christine Schokopfer have just published a new study on the subject. It's called China's Digital Rise: Challenges for Europe. And Christine, who heads the Merrick's research program on politics, society, and media, joins me now in the Merrick studio here in Berlin. Welcome, Christine. First of all, tell us a bit more about your study and its scope. What were you trying to find out? The overall scope of the study was really to understand the Chinese ambitions in economic terms, in political terms, in social terms. What do they really want to achieve with now so heavily investing into emerging digital technologies? And of course, also where they stand,、uh, as much as we could, assessment of the real progress, the real strength, and the weaknesses in various technologies. And then, as a last point,、um, what would be the impact on Europe? What chances? What opportunities for collaboration would there be? But also, what kind of challenges we have to tackle? What kind of things we have to be aware of? Okay. And what did you find? A big master plan for digitization, or a lot of disconnected bits and bobs in China? Well, there is clearly an overall unified ambition to use these digital technologies to achieve industrial upgrading, to create new economic growth, but also to kind of really expand China's footprint globally. So, a claim for global leadership. However, we do have to recognize that there are also conflicting interests within China between ministries, one ministry. Catering more for private companies and for market dynamics, other ministries are more in favor of protecting the state-owned companies. So, as a result, we also do recognize that we see different and sometimes even conflicting goals as part of this digital strategy. So,、um, are these goals then mainly economic, or are there also sort of Political ambitions behind that. They are basically threefold. The first of all, it's really about an industrial upgrading. So really make the traditional manufacturing industries more efficient. That's of course also a lot about the state-owned enterprises. It's also about creating new growth through the whole digital economy. It's about e-commerce. It's about online payment systems. Second goal would be domestically to achieve technically very sophisticated social control over society, also over companies. We've talked a lot about the social credit system, that is of course very much also on their agenda. And thirdly,、uh, looking more at the global level to really be able to shape global standards in digital technologies, to also shape along the Silk Road, a cooperation and also their reach of companies into other countries. So a global footprint, but also the ambition of, let's say, global 
tech leadership, uh, cyber supremacy, so to speak? Yes, exactly. Also dominating really the concepts of cyber supremacy, being able to really reach into digital infrastructures, also in Eurokili, telecommunications, smart cities, here are the important words. And also standard setting is a very core aspect of that, to uh, compete also with Europeans and with the US to have, if, because if you set the standards of a technology, of course, that would help your companies also then to own market share, because then the standard would be recognized on a more international level. So pretty ambitious goals, both domestically and abroad. Uh, let's look a bit at how far China has traveled on that road so far. Where are digital technologies made in China particularly strong? Well, first of all, in general, I think they're very strong when it comes to the so-called more commercial co consumption-based digital aspects. So everything, apps, online, uh, building ecosystems where you can integrate really ordering food, paying for your latest bill from your doctor, ordering flight tickets. So they're really strong in making ecosystems which combine various services for consumers. They are not so strong, for example, in the whole industrial realm, the whole industrial digitalization. That's also why they want to partner with Germany, for example. That's something still they have to, to catch up a lot in terms of smart manufacturing, for example. They also, in general, very strong when it comes to really applying various solutions, hardware, software, integrate what is already out there, what, for example, other countries have invented, but they really repack it to a more integrated system and then provide various companies uh, with that. Now, what you say, it sounds all rather benign, a mobile payment system, the integration of different applications and uses for digital technologies. But in your study, you also talk about dual-use technology and the military. In that area, you are a little more skeptical about uh, China's uh, advances? Well, that, of course, relates to the overall uh, framework uh, within uh, these, these digital developments are happening. I mean, it's a strong relationship between the state, the party state, of course, then privately owned uh, enterprises, state-owned enterprises, and the military. And relationships in that sense are very close. The state also wants to foster, of course, digital developments for military usage. They also deploy state-owned companies to participate, even privately-owned enterprises get access to patients or kind of invited to participate in certain research projects. So there's this strong civil-military integration, of course, as we also know it from the US, but China clearly also wants to use, for example, artificial intelligence clearly as a, as a weapon in cyber hybrid warfare, potentially also. So they're in direct competition then with, let's say, the US. So if you can compare the two, the United States and China, where does China stand? Well, that, of course, very much depends on the technology. I mean, in China, it's always about being fast, being big, right? They also catch up in terms of patience, for example. They normally would build the biggest facilities or aim to build the biggest facility. In terms of quantum, they, of course, have a lot of experience. They have done a lot of trials in 5G. So they're very good in speed, in size. Of course, in terms of funding, they normally double or triple um, the U.S., But of course, in terms of quality, one has to say it still very much depends on the specific technology. In terms of chips, for example, there are three stages. It's about designing, it's about manufacturing, it's about 
packing every component together. And they're very good in the two last ones, but not so much in the chip design. That's something they still work on and also are dependent uh, on Taiwanese companies or also on US companies, clearly. That's the signal they are sending, and that's impressive in terms of speed and size and quantity. They're clearly pushing even ahead of the US. But in terms of quality, I think we really have to be careful that that is not such a linear trend or you could not say it will go on forever and they don't have to tackle also difficulties. Because just throwing huge amounts of money at a problem does not necessarily guarantee the best results. Increasing funding, spending a lot more money than let's say the US or Europe on uh, digital technologies, that money, is does it actually reach the right spots? That's also something Chinese uh, scientists also worry about. If you use too much money, you might really create an what they already call a digital um, bubble, an AI bubble that's obviously for some Chinese researchers particularly striking. And that's, that's of course an issue if you just invest into this big, massive showcase projects, which also could, of course, create some innovation. But it really goes to the expense of basic research, of slowly building the foundations, because There's so much incentives in China for really having research which has a huge impact, pioneering. We did the first quantum call. We really have a breakthrough in quantum encryption. And clearly that's important. But from what I also get by Chinese colleagues within China, really the basic, more gradual, more slower, patiently basic research, that's not very much incentivized by this big funding which really aims for, for sometimes huge showcase success. This is Merrick's Experts. My guest today is Merrick's researcher Christine Schirkupfer. We are discussing China's digital rise and the challenges for Europe. Let's talk about Europe then. You've tried to compare China and the US. Now, if you compare China and Europe, uh, what's your assessment when it comes to digital developments? Europe is facing a couple of challenges now with China really also reaching into uh, European territory. First of all, in terms of smart manufacturing, digital industries, uh, Europe, of course, has also a lot to offer to China. And these are also areas we can, where you can clearly see potential for cooperation. But, for example, in terms of China's really speed reaching into reaching out also for competing now for European digital infrastructure in telecommunications, also for building up data centers, logistics centers, all across Europe, uh, Alibaba, Huawei, and other companies. Europe really feels a bit overrun even, or really clearly kind of taken aback by the speed of how China is pushing things forward. And I think what Europe now clearly realizes that we, on a European level at least, lack a coordinated policy, also more coordination in terms of maybe creating bigger companies, having a more coordinated industrial strategy to really uh, cope with these fast speed of how China is pushing things. So do you say then that uh, Europe risks um, of losing out to China? Because some people would argue that the European approach of having a much more decentralized uh, research and development landscape is actually a particular European strength. But you're, you're saying they really need to spend more on big joint projects. Is that is that right? Yes, I think now to really be able to compete with China, of course, not saying that the, these 
so to say, internal competition and also pioneering more decentralized cases are not creating any any good value or any good results. But I think we clearly now sense we do need a, and that's also named by the EU, a digital single market with unified regulations. Also make it easier for companies to to work together, maybe even to merge, to to face the, the scope of the Chinese players who are who are out there. And I mean also the governments are trying, or the German and the French government trying to link their initiatives a bit better together. I think on an EU level, there's also now an increasingly acknowledgement that we have to coordinate, for example, our cyber security uh, policy. So there is some reaction, but I think it's really now time for Europe to move to a more coordinated, unified response to China. Okay, so then uh, Europe is, let's say, waking up to the challenges from China. But there's also some sort of pushback against China, especially when it comes to digital developments. And that whole discussion about Huawei and the 5G technologies and uh, 5G mobile data networks. Uh, is Europe then maybe also growing more skeptical about China, more suspicious about the digital technologies from China? Well, that's part of the general trend that we in Europe more and more see China not only as a partner, or maybe not even mainly as a partner, but more as a competitor in the overall economic relations. And of course, when we look at digital technologies, China is really a serious uh, competitor. Um, and I mean, the, the wake up to the Chinese digital rise kind of goes hands in hands with a pushback, right? I mean, that's a very extreme reaction. But let's face it, when we look at Huawei or other Chinese companies in terms of data security, in terms of the potential also in relation to the existing legislations who are out there, that the Chinese government could really force these companies to hand over data to comply with specific regulations is out there. And that's, of course, something Europe has to, to be very aware of. So then finally, to come back to the title of your study, China's Digital Rise, Challenges for Europe. Is China's digital rise then, is it an opportunity for Europe or is it more of a challenge and a danger, maybe a threat? It's not an either or, it's clearly both. And that depends on both sides. On the Chinese side, it clearly would depend on how they decide to play this on a on the scope of um, more cooperative or more assertive, more aggressive. And that, of course, also would depend on the overall Chinese economic and political development. If the Chinese leadership thinks we can quickly reach the goal of becoming more independent in our technology, so we would less have to be signaling we we still need to cooperate with with other countries uh, for example and on the european side of course it also would depend on how much we would be able to achieve a unified um, coordinated policy how quick we would be able to respond in fostering more innovation in in a, a very dynamic um, digital industry so it's not an either or it would clearly depend on both sides i think competition is inevitable, but conflict is avoidable. So challenges and opportunities, says Merrick's researcher Christine Schürkupfer. The new study by her and Mareiko Ulberg on China's digital rise is available on our website. I'm Ruth Kirchner. Thanks for listening and bye for now. You have been listening to Merrick's Experts, the podcast from the Mercator Institute for China Studies in Berlin. If you want to learn more about our work, please visit us at merricks.org.